Welcome, Masters fans, to episode 24 of the Curly W Live podcast. My name is Kyle Brostowitz, and I'm coming to you from the Curly W Live studios at 15 Ballpark of the Palm Beaches down here in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. Remember, you can always listen to the podcast, including all past episodes, through our blog, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, and through iTunes and art19.com by searching Washington Nationals Podcasts. You can also find the podcast on other platforms, including Blueberry, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Podbean, Podcast Republic, Podknife, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So as listeners know, the last few episodes have been dedicated to the changes in the mass and broadcast, both on the Next Extra pre- and post-game show side and the uh, in-game reporter role. So our last podcast featured Bo Porter, who will serve as a co-host of Nats Extra. And previous to that, we talked to Alex Chappell, our new on-field reporter. And uh, if you've been watching any of the Nats um, spring training games on Masson, you've seen a little bit of Bo and a lot of Alex doing her in-game interviews. So hope fans have enjoyed uh, what those uh, those folks have put together. Now, this episode features an interview with someone we all know pretty well. Uh, that's Dan Colco. Dan is moving from the on-field reporter role to a co-host of Nats Extra Pre and Post Game. Uh, we talked some Nationals baseball topics. We talked about his new role, um, some of his favorite moments over the years, and and we took a few fan questions at the end. So uh, this was a pretty fun episode. So let's get right to it. Episode twenty-four of the Curly W Live podcast with Dan Colco. Enjoy. And welcome, Dan Colco, to the Curly W Live studios here at Fifteen Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Uh, Dan is officially a recurring guest now, with this being his second appearance. So. We appreciate you swinging by to hang out with us and uh, at the start of your uh, week-long trip down here in uh, Florida. Thank you so much, Kyle. This is an honor. And just so we're clear, the Curly W Live Studios, while you're down here in West Palm, this is your office that we're sitting well, in right now. Well, the Curly W Live Studios are wherever I am. Oh, it's so, a roving so, studio. Yeah, wherever the recorders are. Ah. Uh, the last time we chatted, we were in a hotel lobby. That is true. Um, We've done it on the phone with some guests. Uh, I've talked to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler in their booth, so technically that was a studio That was as well. a studio. So that was an actual studio. wherever these recorders are, uh, that's where the studio is. Okay. So, um, so the last few episodes, of, of, as fans of, uh, of the podcast have listened to, have been about the changes on the Mass and Broadcast. Uh, we've talked to Bo Porter. We talked to Alex Chappell. And um, this time we're taking advantage of our opportunity to talk to Dan about the changing uh, role in his world. So... Uh, you know, we'll get to your new role in a bit, but I want to talk baseball first with you. That's why we're here, and that's what your expertise is. So, If you want to call it that, yes. Okay. So this is your second trip down to Florida, uh, and I'm sure you've been watching all of our games on Masson uh, and or listening on 106.7 The Fan. So uh, give me your, your expert 30,000 feet view of the 2019 Nationals. What have you kind of seen so far? Um, well, I think that the key takeaways are that, you know, there's – going to be a different right fielder this year and that's something that. yeah I don't know if you if that's uh, word has spread yet but there's this team is loaded with talent and I think you know I, I've heard a lot of people on various platforms um, whether it's in uh, print whether it's on radio TV crediting Mike Rizzo and the Nationals front office for continuing to load this roster up with talent despite losing key performers and I, I you know I, I think it's worth mentioning again just the the work that this organization did to put itself in position despite losing one of the best offensive performers in right. in the game exactly. to still be there and and I you know I don't put a lot of stock into the the projections ahead of time with win totals and all that stuff but universally the Nationals are being picked to you know be there right. if not win the whole the whole division again this year and I think um, that's really impressive I, I like the 
the youth, the speed, the energy, and just being around this team, you know, a handful of days, uh, there's an excitement level. And I, I think uh, a fire after the disappointing year last year to get back, win another division, right. and, and have a shot to do some special things in October. I think the uh, – I was talking to someone today about this, and I think the combination of, like you mentioned, the fire on guys in guys to not – kind of what happened this year, what happened last year, some of the disappointing things, and also the group of guys who weren't here last year. So I don't think they really, to an extent, care about what happened here last year, and they're they're just trying to make this team better, trying to come together. You got, like, Anibal Sanchez, Kurt Suzuki, Brian Dozier. You know, those guys, you know, they didn't experience what happened last year, and they're just starting fresh and looking to get it going. That's true, and I think another thing, too, is you, you talk about those new additions, and across the board, those right. names that you mentioned, Suzuki, Gomes, Dozier, Rosenthal, um, these are all guys who have played at, at an incredibly high level and are very talented. But one thing that I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, Kyle, but uh, that Mike Rizzo targets are, are good people right. and quality clubhouse guys. And across the board, that's what these guys, their reputations are. And I think you've got a clubhouse that is filled with guys who are here for the right reasons. Not that that hasn't been the case right, in past right, right. years, but – um, it's it's a group that seems to be coming together right. very early on mm-hmm. and positioning themselves with that right. talent base that they have to, to do some fun things. Uh, two two things that I've really paid a lot of attention to this, this spring has been the integration of the catchers, mm-hmm. two new catchers, and then um, Trey Turner and Brian Dozier getting to work together at second base. The, the Washington Post did a really good write-up a few days ago on that. Fans should check that out for sure. On, on Dozier and Turner learning each other, um, really good insight. And like I said, the, the the catchers this year, I think watching them from the day we reported for pitchers and catchers to where we're at now, it's been great to see them work with, you know, with Max and Steven, of course, and then getting to learn Patrick and Anibal and Jeremy Hellickson. It's been it's been a really fun camp from a learning perspective, in my opinion. Yeah, it, that's that's an element that I think goes overlooked mm-hmm. a lot of times when you're talking about. A catching duo in a, across the league now it is becoming a lot of teams utilizing two catchers mm-hmm. and that's what this right. team is going to yeah. do this year um, having a catching duo that is capable behind the plate and able to maybe not challenge but able to have even veteran pitchers think about the game their approach right. the, their sequencing of hitters in different ways than they already have and that's something that you know, we, we've got an incredibly cerebral guy leading our staff in, in Max Scherzer, but he's always, he doesn't pretend to know it all. Right. And he's always looking to get better mm-hmm. and to pick up new pieces right. of information and new insights. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think getting to work with two yeah. new guys um, could be a case with him, with Steven, with, you know, across the board in the rotation and into the bullpen of guys having an opportunity to learn from these two veteran guys who have had a lot of success. So moving on um, to this week, you're here for a couple days, going to watch some games. Yes. So as a broadcaster, maybe, I don't know if it's changed with the role or, or just in general, like how do you watch spring training games? What do you look for? I look for health. Health, yes. That is that is paramount. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was thinking back to this the other day. You know, when we were down here last year doing our spring training broadcasts, it was, what, four, five, six guys yeah. that weren't where they should be. And whether that was Adam Eaton, you know, still getting into some action and, you know, he was in the lineup on opening day, but he clearly wasn't himself. He would admit that, you know, Daniel Murphy was well behind. Um, There, there were a number of key guys who were dinged up. And I think it, 
you want to have everyone there day one and and through April and give yourself a real chance at this thing. So I think by far the most important thing is health. Beyond that, I'm excited to see how this rotation comes together. And, you know, we've been lucky, Kyle, that we've had kind of a, a stable group of guys that we've gotten to know that have had yeah. success with this mm-hmm. team. But now, for the first time in a little bit, there's some turnover in that yeah, rotation. Yeah. You get in a Patrick Corbin, you get in an Anibal Sanchez, and whether it's Jeremy Hellickson, whether it's Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, whoever else, there might be a mixture of guys mm-hmm. filling that fifth spot. So um, it's an opportunity for us to see how this rotation comes together. Some veterans mm-hmm. uh, who have been around the block, maybe some new teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to, on a daily basis, as I watch games, see these starting pitchers mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully stay healthy right. and, and how they go about their business. They're, they're rolling a little bit. I mean, spring training stats are what they are. Um, but, you know, uh, Max hasn't finished up his outing yet today as we talked about this. But um, Jeremy Allison threw four shutout the other day. Anibal Sanchez, four shutout. Right. Patrick Corbin, who we've really – I don't know if you mentioned him even yet. Some, you signed a six-year contract, probably the biggest free agent signing of the offseason from the pitching standpoint. Um, he just goes out and gets his work done every day, kind of as a – I don't want to say lost in the clubhouse, but he's just quiet he, presence. He blends in, yeah. yeah, he blends in, and um, you know it's been it's been really great to see watch him pitch. So, all right, so let's get to the the new role. As I mentioned, you're going to be on the pre and post game show along with Bo Porter. Um, so let's start at the beginning, kind of how did that role come about, and um, we'll go from there. So. Over the last couple of years, I've been fortunate to fill in for Johnny Holiday when he's taken days off uh, on the Nats Extra Show and also fill in for Ray Knight when he's taken days off as well. Um, so I've gotten the feel of that show, how it runs. I've gotten to know our, uh, our production staff and all of our, you know, the people that help put that show together and make it, make it sing. Um, and we'll make it sing. Yeah. Like TV term? Well, you know, it's, I try and mix it up, Kyle, you know. <laughs> Not, not going to give you the same stuff every time we do this <laughs> podcast. Um, and it w- moving up to the, the desk was always something that intrigued me if the opportunity was to come about. It's, it's just a chance to, to do more. You know, in, in the sideline reporting role, even if you're very active that day, you're doing a segment on the pregame show, you're doing maybe four, maybe five reports over the course of a game and then a walk-off interview if the team wins. <laughs> All told, you're talking on air for maybe – you know, three minutes, yeah. four minutes. Um, whereas now I've got a half hour pregame show and a half hour postgame show where I get to tee up Bo and I get to kind of steer the ship to an extent and just talk baseball. And so um, I knew that, that uh, you know, Johnny has talked in the past about, you know, maybe wanting to, to step back mm-hmm. and spend more time with his family. Right. And as word, you know, kind of trickled down to me throughout the course of the winter that Johnny uh, was going to be right. – taking taking a back seat um it was brought to me as hey would this be something you would you would be interested in and absolutely uh you know right out right out of the gate it it was a clear-cut yes for me I'm gonna miss the sideline reporting role and elements of it and traveling with you guys um but it there's a lot of cool opportunities here uh to to do some breakdowns and bring the game to fans Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe in a different way than, than they've seen it before on the pre- and post-game shows. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of worked out. The timing was good and uh, fortunate to be given the opportunity. So a two-part question, um, kind of as it relates to preparing for a game night or a game day. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll start with this. So what has the offseason been like in terms of preparation for the role? Is it Have you talked to anybody in the role? Have you talked to, whether it's your producers, John, John Harvey, who fans know from your podcast, and then 
or if you talk to other um, pre and post uh, show hosts. Um, you know, so talk about your off season a little bit. Well, it's been um, the off season has been a lot of waiting. <laughs> I'm, I'm still just kind of wait. Everyone's like, "How do you like the new job?" I'm like, "Well, I'll tell you after opening day," uh, because we don't do pre post during yeah. spring training, so yeah. I haven't even gotten that. Yeah. But so it's been a lot of waiting and just excited to get going uh, feelings, but. Um, John and I talk all the time about ideas for the season. I mean, we're, it's November and we're texting about ideas nice. that, that we want to incorporate the next year. So, um, he and I have a, have a really good relationship and we're always, you know, kicking ideas off of each other. And then once word came out that Bo was going to be, uh, my, my co-host, I guess you could say the analyst on the shows, he and I have had some conversations as well about, um, just kind of the type of stuff that we want to do and the mandate that, not mandate, but the idea that's been kind of given to us from on high has been, you know, let's have some fun. Yeah. This is, it's entertainment, it's sports, it's mm-hmm. its uh, a long summer and we're going to do a lot of shows yeah. and we're going to take things seriously and we're going to, you know, break down the X's and O's mm-hmm. of every game, but we're also going to try and keep it loose mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, wear appropriate, mess around a little <laughs> bit and, and still do some of the fun segments that, that I've enjoyed doing yeah. in the past. Right. Um, so it's been some some productive discussions as far as like, you know, the role itself and how I settle into it, I think that's going to be more just needing to do it. To do it. And so, I'll talk to you come June yeah, or July, and I'll have a better understanding of that. That was going to be my next that. question. You know, when we talked on our last, last time we talked on this podcast, we talked a lot about game day preparations. But right. at this point, after hearing that answer, it's probably going to be a kind of a wait and see or kind of adapt as you go in terms of how you approach each game day? To an extent. As I said, I've done, yeah. I've done it before, okay. which I think helps kind of ease the nerves going into mm-hmm. opening day, but also just give me a really good idea of what mm-hmm. to expect. Um, it's, it's very different. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll put it this way. In the sideline reporting role, um, I tried to know everything about everything so that if – you know, Max had told me a couple of days prior to a start that he'd tinkered with his changeup grip just a tad because he was feeling his, you know, fingers slipping off the right. ball a little bit at, at release or whatever, that I would be able right. to, if he had a really good changeup in that next start, be able to do an in-game report about why that changeup right. might be especially sharp that day or any um, number of, you know, kind of fine-tuned analyses. Um, so I tried to talk to players about yeah. any minute thing that I could. <laughs> In this role, I think it'll be more of a broad look because we don't have the ability in a half-hour pregame show (laughs) when we've got all these other elements that we want to incorporate, whether it's segments from Alex or sit-down interviews or demonstrations with Bo, whatever it is, for us to break down the game on that level every single night. So it'll be more having a broad understanding of key trends, directions that the team are heading or a specific player is heading. Um, So it won't be as much... You know, I need to know everything about the team today, but more like having kind of sitting back with guys and talking about, you know, how they've been feeling lately. You know, what's different this year compared to last year or kind of pulling back and and doing more generic type discussions with guys that give me the knowledge to steer the conversation in a certain way. Because if Bo makes a point about how, you know, Max... If we're in August mm-hmm. and he's saying Max has looked like he's a little bit more settled in now than he was right. back in April, I can then say, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, Bo, because I talked to Max, blah, 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 right, blah, right. blah. So those, I, I think that might be the biggest difference between the two. Do you anticipate, um, and again, you might not know this answer because you haven't done it on a full season yet, but do you anticipate watching the game itself any differently? For sure. Um, I, I think the big difference will be that uh, I will not be – 22 feet away (laughs) from home plate. Um, 
needing to make sure that my head doesn't get taken <laughs> off at any True. particular time. I'll, I'll be watching yeah. up in the press box mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and on TV, when the team is on the road, that'll be very different yeah. too. Um, but yeah, I think in that same vein, it's, um, you know, like I've had conversations with, with our radio guys, Charlie and Dave, about sometimes they'll, they'll say like, well, why didn't you ask about this after the game? <laughs> like, well, that was important to you because you were calling every single right. pitch of that game. Why yeah. did so-and-so throw a two-strike changeup yeah. in this situation? As com- right. We're not necessarily as focused on that, again, right. when we pull back in broad ways. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we won't, we won't focus on every single right. pitch, but I think you do have to view it a little differently. Mm-hmm. And where is the turning point right. in the game? Um, from a post-game show right. standpoint, where where did this game go in the Nationals' direction when it could have not, right. or vice versa? Right. It's kind of a um, target, if exactly, yeah. exactly. And you need to, you know, we've had conversations mm-hmm. with our, our producer John Harvey about um, as we're preparing for a post-game show, we might have an idea of what's going to lead right. off that show, but there's something that happens in the bottom of the eighth inning, mm-hmm. and it flips, it flips yeah. like that. And so, um, especially when it comes to post-game shows, a lot of it is fluid, and you need to be able to to uh, adapt to that. So getting to, back to Bo Porter, as you mentioned a couple of times, will be your, your co-host on Nats Extra. Um, and you guys obviously know each other from his time as a coach here and your time in the media. And mm-hmm. we ran into him a bunch over the years when he was with the Braves and, and the Astros. So how has it been building that relationship um, moving past coach and media member to now co-workers and co-hosts? It's good. And, you know, I've spent some time around Bo. We've done some dinners, some kind of mass and outings and stuff like that. And he and I... Uh, our first televised broadcast back on the 23rd of February, uh, we had a good chunk of time together to, to talk about stuff and, and all that. Uh, we're going to spend a lot more time together during the season than we have to this point. Um, but Bo knows the game from every possible angle. Like, he played it. He was a manager. He was a third base coach. He was in a front office. He worked for the Players Association. He can speak to pretty much anything that happens in a game why it happened, how it happened. So I, I think that really helps me in that, you know, before a game, after a game, regardless, I can just tee him up with what's on my mind. Me as a baseball fan, hey, Bo, why did that happen? Yeah, and we can get into a conversation, and that's one thing that I've had conversations with John Harvey about. I want to do segments where it's not maybe as scripted. It's just us talking baseball. Sunday sit-down where we, we just talk about, you know, kind of some broader uh, themes in the game. Um and so that's that's what I'm excited about, just getting to ask him anything right. and and have know that he can speak to it. So to go along with that, and you mentioned earlier some of the fun segments you did as an in-game reporter, uh, features like behind the scenes, uh, coffee with Coco, your long sit down with Bryce last year. That was, in my opinion, one of the, the cooler things you did during your time. Don't mean to diminish anything else you did, but I think that three-part interview with Bryce was, was pretty awesome. Thanks. Um, you know, do you anticipate being able to bring the same type of content to fans um, in this new role as well? Yeah, absolutely. And um, not, you know, I, I in no way intend to step on Alex Chappell's toes. Right. She, she will have plenty of quality content, I'm sure. But um, that has been one of the more enjoyable elements for me of the last five years in the, the sideline reporting role is not just talking about you know, the how you've been feeling at the plate lately type of stuff, but the broader themed elements, talking when Jose Lobaton was a national, talking with him about growing up um, in Latin America and what it's like to get noticed by scouts and signed, you know, as a 16-year-old when you're, you, know, you feel like your life is depending on it. Uh, stuff like that, and I'm excited to do more of that. Sit-downs with, there's so many um, 
intriguing personalities on this team and quality people that I'm I'm looking forward to still doing more of that type of stuff. And yeah, have Patrick Corbin teach me how he throws his slider yep, and talk with Sean Doolittle about really anything. <laughs> yeah. um, you just turn the recorder on for him. Exactly. Sean, talk. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got Thanks eight minutes of quality comments. good stuff. Uh, but no, I, I um, am really looking forward to continuing those type of themes, uh, extended sit-downs. And a little inside baseball and baseball PR. This week you're going to get a chance to sit down with Davey Martinez. Yes. You know, for, for a segment that you think you mentioned will probably air close to opening day. Yeah, I, I think we're planning that first weekend. It won't be on opening day, but maybe Saturday or Sunday. And I want to talk to Davey about you know, last year obviously didn't go the way the organization wanted it to. No secret there. Yeah. But how, as a, a you know, first-time manager, did he go about his offseason right. in terms of trying to learn from year one and fix some of the things that he feels can be improved and get better mm-hmm. in year two, both from a team perspective and a, and a manager's perspective? So, um, yeah, that, that should be a nice uh, in-depth sit-down with the skipper. Uh, and one more thing with, with Bo and his expertise, do you plan on doing uh, demos the same way Charlie and Ray would yeah. do demos, but whether it was in the concourse or in studio? Absolutely. And I, I think one thing that, that we can do um, is, and you, you helped us facilitate this one time last year with FP. When I got onto the infield right, with the field, FP, right. we were able to talk about you know footwork around the second base bag when you're trying to turn a double play or how you're hitting a cutoff man and lining it up properly and all these things. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, we now – uh, we have two guys at our disposal that are going to be fired up. Not that Ray Knight wasn't again, but Bo is going to come in ready to ready to talk ball and, and educate the fan base and educate me. And so we're going to want to get out there and do some demos and have, have Bo and FP run us through the, uh, the ropes, so to speak, and that should be some really good content as well. Now, as you move to this new role, that obviously means that we have a new in-game reporter. Um, as we mentioned a couple of times, Alex Chappell, um, if you're comfortable sharing, um, you've, you've had a lot of experience in this role. Is there any advice that you've given her about the role or the team or the coaches in general or something that can help her you know, as we get this all started? Well, I told her initially that, like all of us, like I mentioned earlier, we've got it kind of easy. You know, <laughs> there there can be there can be you know some difficult people to work with in professional sports, uh, and. Um, this is a clubhouse that has, throughout my time covering it, remained a place filled with good people, um, helpful people mm-hmm. who are, you know, they're there to work and they're there to win ball games. But it's it's filled with good dudes, mm-hmm. and that that makes the job easier for mm-hmm. sure. Um, one thing that I you know kind of advised her on was relationships are the key to the role mm-hmm. as as the on-field reporter and the better relationships you have with players, the more they're going to be willing to do stuff with you, the more they're going to be willing to open up to yeah. you. So when I first started covering the team, Jason Worth didn't, yeah. didn't you know, he, I was this young, you know, kid who needed to be put in his place a little bit. Jason didn't open up to me too much, but you know, like with anyone, and it happened with Bryce too yeah, over time, sure, sure. you know, yeah, it, it, last, was, yeah. last mm-hmm. season, especially, um, you know, my relationship with Bryce got a lot better. So, mm-hmm. You put in time, you show them that you're willing to work, you know the game, that, that you're there to, to hustle and to, um, be, to try and be as good at your job as they are at theirs. That's a great way to put it. And um, then I think the doors start to open and, and guys can uh, give you more in terms of availability and give you more in terms of content. So I think that's been the, the biggest thing that I've, you know, in our brief conversations I've tried to 
uh, impart to her that, you know, take the time and get to know these guys as, as human beings and, and build those relationships up and uh, it'll help you a lot. So we did get a couple Twitter questions I picked out. Oh, two boy. Of them. Now, this is, this is important because the winner of these competitions gets a, a 2019 Nationals Media Guide. What the, competition? Uh, well, we always pick the best Twitter question. Who's we? You or me? I've done the first two. Uh, I've picked it pretty unilaterally. Um, but, you know, I think we can come to a discussion on who's the best question uh, okay. this time. And, and like I said, they, they get it hot off the press's 2019 Media Guide. So it's very important. Which you still have not finished yet, hey, by listen, the way. Dan. Listen, All right. <laughs> get to work. It's a lot of work. Get to work. As long as we have it by opening day, we're good. Okay. Um, so our first question comes from Eric Rue. Um, he said, "What is your favorite road city city in MLB? It doesn't have to be the ball, because of the ballpark. Um, it can be for other reasons, uh, location, food options, etc." Cincinnati, I would say. No, Chicago mm-hmm. is probably my favorite. It's you know, Wrigley Field is just special. Uh, there might be some people out there that are sick of hearing it, but it is. Um, I, I love it there. It's a great venue. I've been here in my whole life. Yeah, yeah. As a <laughs> someone who grew up in Milwaukee, um, but I, I love that the city is great too. Mm-hmm. There's so much to do. Great restaurants. Um, I I really like. Um, I like I like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the ballpark is a factor there. The people are really nice. Uh, there's there's a lot to do there too. Um, I'm gonna miss Philly a little bit, honestly. Like You're getting the chance. One thing about Philly, let's be honest. Yeah. Miss one person there. The press box Frank, food and yes. Frank the ice cream yes. man. Yes. Um, but no, it's when when the team has been good there. It's a fun place mm-hmm. to watch a game. It's a great atmosphere. Um, so I'm I really am gonna miss traveling on the yeah. road with you guys. That's gonna be one of the. The downsides to being in studio is just mm-hmm. um, not being around the team as much, not being able to visit mm-hmm. the cool cities. But I'll be in D.C. a lot more, yeah, which go. is good. Which is good too. Good to see more Nats fans. Yeah. And our second question is from UVA Who Girl. Um, I have to edit this one a little bit. Um, other than the uh, kiss my you know blank interview, uh, what kiss was my the, you know blank. Yeah. Other than the famous Jason Worth interview, <laughs> um, what was your favorite interview? I guess we can either go walk-off interview or interview in general, but what was your favorite? Ooh, man. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did enjoy the sit-down with Bryce last mm-hmm. year, and also the interview with him after game 162 in, uh, in, in Coors Field yep. uh, when, he, when he got a little emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, those were both, you know, recency bias. I, I liked those a lot. Um, in terms of, like, walk-off interviews, other than the Kiss My, <laughs> you know, um, the DC Strangler one yeah, is another really special one. Those one, those those two happened mm-hmm. in very close proximity to each other. Yeah, I um, it was the same series? Or it, same they were, like, four yeah. days apart, yeah, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Jason had two walk-off yeah, hits right. in, like, a four-day span. Yeah. Um, that one's special. The Meow one really resonates yeah. with a lot of people. Uh, with Gio Gonzalez back in spring training, uh, it was 2015, yeah. I think. Um, no, it was 2014 because it was Matt's first year, I think. Matt Williams. Yes, yep, yep. you're right, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I mean, you had the Gio after he almost threw a no hitter. Yeah, it, yeah. For obviously emotional reasons. Yeah, Jose Fernandez, uh, his yeah. girlfriend and, and daughter were there that day. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday, I think, and yeah. Gio went out and almost mm-hmm. threw a no hitter in Miami. Mm-hmm. That was a really good one. Um, I've been lucky, man. I've, I've gotten to, you know, I, I talked with pitchers after three no hitters on yeah. the fields, two from Max, one from Jordan Zimmerman, got Max after a 20 strikeout game, which you almost never right. see. 
I got to cover four, you know, division clinching celebrations. Um, I, I got I got really lucky. Or three mm-hmm. di- three three division. Uh, four in 2012, but I wasn't on field right, reporter then. Correct. So three doing the, the the live TV interviews. I've been very fortunate to to get to be a part of a lot of special moments with the guys, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. If I had to name one, I, I guess I would say the DC Strangler. That one. Was, uh, yeah, going back to our just Alex discussion, she admitted on our on the podcast that she never got Gatorade dumped before. Okay. So um, I mean, you they have, didn't do that in Tampa. Apparently not, and you you. You might have to talk a little bit about how to uh, avoid it. Well, I'll tell you, you what. Do, you didn't do a great job of avoiding it. Well. Uh, but maybe you can lend some expertise. I didn't get a whole lot of help on a consistent <laughs> basis from our guys and gals in the truck. I'm looking at you, Chip Winfield, our producer. Every now and then I'd get a, like, look out, but it wouldn't be early enough. And it, it, it was almost like he didn't trust me yeah. to stay in there long enough and then get out of the right. way without spoiling he was it. trying to push the envelope a little. Yeah, yeah, he didn't care for my suits or shirts or ties. <laughs> that was yeah, he didn't pay for the dry cleaning. Um, so it's all about peripheral vision. You got to keep your head on a swivel. You yeah. got to know where the Gatorade is coming from. Position yourself right. accordingly. So I can, you know, if she needs, if she wants to be coached up a little bit, I could coach her up a little bit. <laughs> all right. So of these two questions, which one deserves the media guide? You're asking me? Yeah, I think we got to. I get the city one a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go with the, the the favorite interview one after the. All right, Eric. KMA. Uh, UVA who girl. Uh, we will get one in the mail to you. Dan, it's been real. Thank you for joining me once again on the podcast, and uh, we'll still see you around. Kyle, I look forward to seeing you every day. Uh, it's gonna Actually, it will be less now because you yeah. won't be traveling. Yeah, you this will not be see me actually going to get better. This is a better <laughs> Yeah, for you, definitely. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks, buddy. You got it, man. Thanks to Dan for coming in studio to join me on the podcast. So after talking to Dan, Bo, and Alex and, and working with them, uh, the last few weeks during spring training, I think our fans are in for a treat when it comes to the pre- and post-game shows, as well as the in-game reporting that Alex will do. We have a great group, and I can't wait to see what they put together night in and night out this season. Uh, I'd also like to thank at Eric Rue and at UVA Who Girl for submitting some questions to us. Uh, we let Dan pick the winner, and uh, as you heard, he went with UVA Who Girl's question about what was his favorite interview. So I will connect with you via Twitter, and we will get you a shiny new 2019 media guide. So we're closing on opening day, just a few short weeks away. Uh, Remember, single-game tickets are on sale on Nationals.com, so be sure to get them before they're gone. I'm hopefully going to put together one more episode before leaving Florida. Uh, I want to wander down to the minor league side of the complex and talk to some of the people down there who are putting in a lot of work every day um, to get the next wave of Nationals talent ready to play. There's about 200 guys on the minor league side, um, a lot of coaches, a lot of staff down there, so we want to go down there and, uh, and, and talk to a few of them talk to them a little bit about how spring's going and and what they're excited about in 2019. So uh, be on the lookout for that podcast in the coming weeks. So as always, thanks for listening, Nationals fans, and we will see you next time on the Curly W Live podcast.